Alex, tomorrow it is Friday. God, is it ever. It feels I could like I'd be happier. <laughs> it went fast. I don't know where this yeah. week went. Uh, it went for me in a haze of various wrestling related conversations and videos. I don't know what, 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 what your wake week entailed, but uh, pro wrestling kind of took me over this week in a way I did not expect. Why? Break it, break it down for us. Well, so we recorded the Power Bombcast last night. That was uh-huh. uh, a solid two hours of wrestling discussion, which is uh, longer than we usually tend to go. Um, I have Encyclopedia Bombastica coming up this weekend for WWF Royal Rumble for the SNES and Genesis. Is that one of the uh, good ones? That was one that I liked as a kid, but in retrospect, no, is not a very good game. That's not like one that used to be an arcade machine, right? Now I'm trying to. No, that I... was never an arcade one. That was a straight up LJN uh, release from like the early '90s. Oh, I re- okay, all right. I re- I definitely remember the SNES cover. I'm looking it up now on Wikipedia. Yeah, it's uh, the first game I think you could have like six dudes in the ring at once, which was like crazy for you know my like 10 or 11 year old brain at the time so yeah i don't think i got into that one i I didn't really get into the wrestling games until the n64 ones that i think a lot of people are fairly familiar with those those are the ones that hold up most of the stuff before that doesn't hold up so well so Mm. but yeah so it's just you know wrestling filled week for me what about you what have you been up to this week man well we talked about on monday or yeah monday no wait no we didn't i've been i beat dark souls yes you did I remember. I, tra- I remember. Your I also just. I keep postings. trying. To, I keep trying to look up at my monitor, and I need to look down at my laptop because that's where my webcam is right now. Um, right. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I beat Dark Souls, and which I, I, you know, I think I kind of implied it on Tumblr and Twitter that I retroactively apl- uh, apologize for not having played that game in 2011. <laughs> I think my opinion of games in 2011 might have been slightly colored differently had I played Dark Souls uh, to a real extent, because uh, that is just a. Phenomenal game, just uh, you know, top to bottom uh, is uh, one of the best experiences I've had with a game in terms of the relationship you have with a game uh, in rewarding what you put into it. Uh, unfortunately, the way they they balanced things, the the way they added DLC and didn't scale uh, the way the the game uh, addresses uh, experience points and and things like that. I sort of broke the last third of the game uh, completely mm-hmm. by accident. Uh, it was not like I was looking up how to make the game easier, but basically I was just a walking tank uh, by the end, and basically nothing could stop me. Uh, but what was great is that there were actually two bosses that are completely uh, designed to be uh, sort of best exploited with a very fast, uh, nimble character class, which mine wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there were instances where the game said, eh... You know, we don't care what you've been doing with your character. This is actually not something you could have prepared for, and we're going to uh, make you suffer for it. Uh, so, yeah, I. it's not a game for everyone, but I, I, you know, I would you know, try and say, like I've said before, that I believe its difficulty is overstated, especially mm-hmm. years later when the game has been sort of mined for everything there is to know about it. Uh, it does make it, I don't know if I'd go approachable, but definitely... Uh, possible uh, as a newcomer and there are ways to tweak the game to make it uh, a much more uh, pleasant experience at least as much as a game like Dark Souls can get Uh, and I gotta say I've been bit by the bug I'm I am psyched for Dark Souls 2 in March Uh, I'm on the I hope they don't screw it up train now Uh, but at least I've never played Demon Souls so somehow Dark Souls 2 is terrible Uh, I guess I, I guess I have another game to go back to and I mean I saw you uh you bought yourself a copy of Demon Souls there did you not I did, uh, and then someone immediately was like, what, you didn't redeem that on your PlayStation Plus account last April? And I was like, oh, I might have. And then it turns, out I, it turns out I didn't. Oh, there you go. Like, that's how little interest I had in ever thinking I would care about that series is that I didn't even redeem the free copy of the game on my PlayStation Plus account. Uh, so I went and bought a PS3 version of Demon's Souls, and I don't think I'm going to touch it uh, till till much later, but I was watching Brad play it, and... I had a Best Buy reward certificate that was going to expire. I was like, sure, why not? May as well get that on my shelf. Uh, yeah, it can't hurt. Though I'm never going to play any of those games, so I, you know, but I, I don't blame I, you. I'll tell you why not because I, 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 I know I personally will not enjoy them. I watched a fair amount of you playing those games, mm-hmm. and it was enough to convince me that that is a game that I would probably snap the disc in half at some point if I, if I were to actually play that. Uh, I realize. <laughs> Yes, okay, maybe the difficulty is slightly overstated, but mm-hmm. it's difficult in the kinds of ways that drive me specifically crazy. Yeah, sure. So there was, um, I think it wouldn't work for me. 
And when I worked at One Up, uh, one of my one of my good friends is uh, Mr. Andrew Fister, uh, so mm-hmm. folks might remember from uh, the One Up days and the EGM days. Uh, he's since gone into the land of data analysis uh, for game companies, and he was someone that had the most hilarious reactions to video games, like mm. just. When something got frustrating, the controller was tossed across the room. Like, I so angry, so angry that I, I, I immediately upon beating it, uh, I went to, I was on Facebook, and he was like, "Oh man, I really need a game to play." And I was like, "Hey, you should play Dark Souls." And then his oh, response, his response immediately was, "I know why you're saying that, and you're not a very good person." I was like, "You're yeah. right. You're right." Yeah, so you're definitely not a very good person. So I'm playing that. I'm still continuing to play Spelunky, and then. Um, I played through the majority of Broken Age this week, okay. which I wish I liked more than I do, but that's not to say I'm not enjoying it, I guess. That's that's kind of where I'm at, too. I've, I've hit the point where it's like I've gotten into a groove with the puzzles. Uh, I think I'm almost done with, with that chunk of the game that they've released. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very close, too. I'm at a spot that I've, I am desperately frustrated at, cannot figure out mm. what I need to do, so I, I didn't look up what to do, but I wanted to get a sense of where I was at. Like, uh, you you know, the, the game is split into these two characters, uh, and at least in part one, there is no sort of maniac mansion, you know, interaction between, you know, timeline sort of things. You know, you've got someone that's kind of on this planet uh, that seems like, I don't know if it's in the past, but you, the other, the, the the male character is, is set in the future and he's on a spaceship. Um, I found his stuff to be way less interesting yes. than... The, what was going on with Vela? I would have rather yeah. have had a full game about Vela uh, than and, and her quest to defeat the the Mog Chothra and everything about these little different towns. I, I just find the premise of Vela, you know, that she is rebelling against a system in which uh, historically these people have sacrificed uh, uh, maidens, uh, young women in the town, in order to satiate this monster, and she decides to say, "Eh, f that." And that, that's what, you know, begins her quest in the game, uh, whereas, you know, the guy is, you know, someone who's been coddled and is seeking adventure, and then it's like, well, what happens when he actually finds that? And I, I just found that as soon as I got stuck in uh, Vela, Vela's stuff, uh, and then switched over to, what is it, Shay? I think Shay is his name? Yeah. Uh, Shay's uh, arc, I just, like, could not... I don't find myself very invested or interested in anything that's happening with him. I don't know if it's the lack of real characters or just Shay's not that interesting, but I don't know. I just, I'm I'm hoping there's a better payoff for how these are going to intertwine and maybe, you know, being around Vela will complement Shay in a way that makes him more interesting, but I just like I was basically just getting through Shay's part so that I could get back to Vela's section of the game. It sounds like the dudes. Uh, someone in the chat was saying that the dudes on the bombcast had the exact opposite reaction to you. But I'm I'm in your boat. I definitely find uh, Vela's stuff more interesting. I think the the cast of characters there is pretty great. There's there's some interesting voice talent uh, in in that group, which I think includes Jack Black and I'm pretty sure I heard Pendleton Ward in there somewhere as well. And, uh, and Will Wheaton is in the uh, in the lineup there too. He's the yeah. uh, the guy in the cabin. Okay, yeah, and and that's you know I think all that stuff's really really cute and funny. I think some of the the Shay stuff is very funny, but I haven't found like you said that that world and that that storyline nearly as engaging as as the uh, as, as the Vela stuff. So well, just I, I mean I'll, I I just feel like Shay or Shay has a much less interesting character like current narrative arc than sure. uh, than Vela. Like Vela has a very specific interesting quest that she is on right now that has high stakes for herself for her town um i and i and i've i found the characters that she comes along uh encounters along the way just way more interesting than uh, anything in in shays but obviously you know shays is different like it's it's meant to be isolated that's part of his his narrative arc but yeah i just i can't uh find myself all that attached to to what's going on there, but I would do... you agree with my assessment that it is much more about the characters and the storylines than the puzzles and gameplay at this point? Because I feel like the puzzles are kind of there and they're progressing things, and you know sometimes they take a little bit of thinking, but they're not necessarily the most interesting thing in the world. No, I'm actually surprised at the lack of uh, depth to a lot of the puzzles. Uh, many of the puzzles are 
they're a, there's a little bit more to them than you would get in, say, your modern average Telltale game. But sure. by and large, most of the puzzles are... The game has moments when you'll be going through different uh, screens, but a good chunk of the game is just moving to the next screen, looking in your inventory, dragging your items on there until you either find the right one or if you already know the one you need to apply, you know, doing that. There's just, there is, I don't want to go into the couple of ones that are a little more involved in that, but there is one that's happening in Vela's story right now. Uh, involving a riddle that I think is pretty interesting and in how they're handling it, and there's one in Shay, uh, Shay's arc that yeah, I don't want I don't want to spoil because it gets too much into the what the puzzles yeah, are, yeah, but yeah. there is one in in Shay's that is like fairly ambitious uh, relative to the other puzzles. But yeah, it's it feels very simplified versus uh, what I remember of uh, the Monkey Island remake because I never played uh, the first Monkey Island, and some of the puzzles in there are real bastards. Um, mm-hmm. And and I don't think it's purely just you know some of the Monkey Island puzzles or the earlier adventure games just being a little more uh, less vague you know a little more figure out what the designer is thinking. Uh, I actually right, think like right. some of the ones like that involve um, there's one in the original Monkey Island that involves like finger counting. I forget exactly the setup for the puzzle, but it's they're just they're not as clever uh, and there's not yeah. as much depth to them. Uh, but uh, goddamn is that game gorgeous? I it holy. Is. Wow, it it that is an amazing looking game. Like every room is a painting, every room yeah. is a painting. Visually and voice acting wise, th- those those two aspects of the game are pretty phenomenal. Uh, you know, the storytelling it, it fluctuates, but I think it generally leans toward pretty good. And then yeah, like the gameplay is the only thing that I'm kind of like, well, this is here and it's fine, but it's not really anything special at all. Yeah, yeah. So, and it also. I mean, we'll see how it ends, but sure. it it does not feel like things are building to a traditional cliffhanger, which is, you know, sort of a an arc that pays off with a, you know, cliffhanger for what's to come. It, unless something else is happening, it mostly just kind of feels like, plunk, here's mm-hmm. half of the game. Uh, right. Wait for, for the other half. I'll have to finish Vela's side of the story to, to draw any, you know, sort of definitive conclusions on that, but... Yeah, I'm enjoying it, but, you know, I think this is the nature of it. Like, could we really... Having the expectation that out of nowhere uh, Tim Schafer was going to pull a Grim Fandango out of his hat is unrealistic. Uh, sure. And, and, and is is asking too much of, uh, I think, of somebody that's been uh, doing this for a long time and has not made one of these for a long time. So, we'll see. I, I am enjoying it. I'm going to play the whole thing. I'm looking... You know, I'm glad it exists. I'm glad that mm-hmm. Kickstarter made it happen, but uh, you know I have to, I have to say you know yeah like after my three and a half hours and I think I have about fifteen twenty minutes left, uh, yeah just I'm enjoying it, but eh, eh yeah yeah that's about where I'm at, and I mean you know I I will finish it as well. I've I've been enjoying enough of it. I'm probably about just under three hours myself, but. Uh, something else has been sucking up my time this week, uh, and that has been Ollie Ollie for the for the for the Vita that game. Any attempt I had or any interest I had in other games has more or less been swallowed by that thing whole. <laughs> so what what is this game? I don't explain. So it's a it's a 2D skateboarding game. Uh in a, in a sense it sort of operates like an endless runner, but it is not an endless runner like the levels have ends and there are individual tracks and courses that you are you are kind of racing down. Uh, and all the trick systems are based on sort of like an SSX style loading system where you have to hold down and then like, you know, press circular up, circular back, or, you know, hold forward release kind of thing to kind of do the different skateboard tricks as you kind of run down this course. And while you're doing that, you have to kind of keep occasionally pressing X to keep your speed up. Uh, you have to, you know, sometimes hold down the triggers to do spins, and then you have to actually press X when you land to hit the landing correctly. So there's a lot of timing-based mm-hmm. stuff that's kind of in there that makes it a lot more complicated. And the key thing with Ali Ali is that I am fucking terrible at it. Uh, it is a challenging game, and it plays in a way that is very different than most of the, you know, the skates and the the Tony Hawks that uh, we, we have grown up on. Uh, but it does so in a really admirable way that I, I dig a lot and despite the fact that I am terrible at it, I want to keep playing it and I want to get better at it 
sort of in that kind of spelunky like way uh, obviously the games are not the same but there is like definitely a i mean all the the stages have objectives but they also have you know score level and you know there's a whole leaderboard system to that stuff uh it, it, there there is definitely an addicting quality there where you just kind of want to try and beat the shit out of your friends on on each level and, and get the highest scores you can right so it's you know and, and it looks really good like it's a really smooth running game uh i've heard a couple people say it has crash bugs so i've not run into any of that whatsoever uh it is like mechanically it feels like it works really really well i just haven't like my my dumb you know broken hands can't quite figure out the timing on some of those tricks yet but uh the basic stuff i think i've got down at this point and it there's there's a surprising amount of stuff to go through in that game and it is all it all seems like it's really really well done is does it use the the Vita in any sort of interesting way? Is there is there like anything preventing this game from like you know coming to other platforms, or does it use like the touchscreen and stuff? It does not really use the touchscreen at all, as far as I've I've seen thus far. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm I've mostly been replaying the same like early stages just to try and you know beat all the objectives and get through some other stuff. Uh, but as far as I can tell, it doesn't do anything with the touchscreen. Um, I think it's going to remain PlayStation exclusive for a while because I've heard from various people that the Sony did a fair amount of funding for that game. Mm. So it will probably not be coming out uh, on, on other platforms. But, you know, it, I don't know that it needs to because it is it seems well suited for the Vita hardware and the Vita controls like it, the the. It plays very well with the Vita thumbsticks, which, I mean, you and I have both commented before are some of the better thumbsticks uh, certainly I've ever encountered on a handheld platform. Uh, and I think that game seems really well-tuned for that control scheme. Yeah, I, you know, I think uh, Spelunky is best on Vita. You know, the, I play it on the PC because that's where I have a lot of friends playing on it. Uh, a lot, I just more people are playing on that platform. So when I want to do the daily challenges, that's kind of where I need to be. But you sure. know, if, if I had a preference to only play that game ever on one platform, uh, you know, the V version has some uh, severe frame rate issues that occur mm -hmm. uh, in, in some of the, the levels when things get a little crazy with bombs. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just it looks incredible on that tiny screen and the controls are so tight uh, for that game that uh, you want a controller that is equally uh, responsive to that and the Vita yeah. uh, much like the DualShock 4 uh, feels like that for me and uh, so I find I get a lot more out of the Vita version uh, because I, I just feel like I'm much more in control of my character yeah it's you know it I usually will, I will play a game on the Vita for a long time, and then I will kind of put it aside, that system aside altogether for usually like a month or so at a time, and this is the game that has, you know, will probably take up the next month or so of my life before I end up putting that thing down again. I really wish there was a more consistent game pipeline on that system. I wish there were more developers like kind of aiming toward that thing, and I know that there's like, you know, PlayStation Network and indie stuff that, that eventually makes its way over there, and that's fine. But most of those games are games I would rather play on a TV than on a, on, a, on a handheld screen. So I don't necessarily take as much advantage of the cross-buy stuff as I could. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I, the thing I've lamented before is that I still wish that was like an actual gaming system that developers like outside of Sony and you know uh, Sony-funded indies wanted to make games specifically for. But it just seems like that's not going to happen again at this point. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think the the Vita is a you know. You're going to get stuff on PlayStation Plus. You're going to get stuff that Sony funds. Uh, and you're going to get a bunch of indie yeah. games uh, that they make partnerships for. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's being realistic about what the Vita is going forward. But um, as a Spelunky playing device, uh, my Vita is worth it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't regret buying the system one bit. I think it's a really great handheld system. I just... You totally. Know, it, it, it came out at a bad time. It was poorly promoted. It did not get the support it needed. And now at least there is this sort of, like, supplementary function for it that is proving to be very worthwhile uh i'm just bummed it did not become a bigger deal than it is That's i mean all. yeah i mean you look at the amount of effort uh, and time nintendo has put into trying to make the 3ds work and it's just it's a rough time for handheld devices that it is are not also you know smartphone-esque uh creatures like an ipad and uh you know yeah that's not an easy problem to solve and nintendo's just tried to do it by you know, the hard work of putting out just kick-ass software. I mean, 2013 was an unbelievable year for the 3DS. It sure uh, was. And uh, that's not an easy feat. But, you know, when you're a company like Nintendo, you can pull that off. But, you know, Sony had 
you know, a whole other platform to support, and Nintendo didn't support their other platform nearly as much, and look where we are. Yeah, look it's kind of in a, where in a strange place. So I played that. I play, I'll, I'll probably pick up Ali Ali. I'm going to my parents' lake house this weekend, so I wouldn't mind having a, a handheld game uh, to play. I, I, thought good... I, I thought I might be able to get my hands on this Bravely Default game. Um, but oh yeah, one of the uh, one of those has not come come my way yet. But I don't think anyone else at Giant Bomb was going to play that game, so I wanted to try and give it a shot because I've heard it sounds pretty neat, uh, or at least has an interesting battle system. So we'll see if I can't give that a shot, or maybe I'll start Persona Four. I keep saying it's good that at least that. one of us is is trying those games, you know. Because as far as I can tell, Brad played about two hours of the Banner Saga and never picked it up again. So I'm the only one who has actually dug into that one. Yeah, there's no quick look at Banner Saga on the site, and I think I might just solve that myself at some point. <laughs> if only there was some way we could do it together. Uh, is there a multiplayer in that game? There, there is a no. There's a multiplayer separate free to play thing that they put out before right. the the main game. What's so that? there's no actual multiplayer in the main game. Hmm. 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 Okay. Hmm. Um. Well, let's see. Uh, there is a little bit of news going around. There you is. know, this one, the big thing this week. Uh, yeah. The other guys talked a lot about the the YouTube stuff with Microsoft on uh, the Bombcast. So point they you did. there. Point you there if you're looking for for chatter about that. Because I just have not looked into it uh, as much as I would like. But I haven't poking around at this King candy saga stuff speaking of banner saga yeah transition i didn't even wow look at that look at i'm doing transitions without even knowing it uh mark of a good host i guess and so you know basically folks who aren't aware uh the company king i think it's just called king right king i think it was king or king.com one of the two anyway they're the the company behind candy crush saga uh the free to play pay to win uh depending on how you look at it uh, match three puzzle game that has is extremely popular. Like it's one yes. of those it's your mom plays it uh, kinds of games, and they have gone down the road of so you know in U.S. copyright and trademark law, like you do have to protect the things that you own, or else you can uh, inevitably give those up, or companies can uh, claim that the 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 trademarks that you own are ubiquitous and that they can use them. You know, Nintendo famously had to get really aggressive about the term Game Boy, I believe, in the 90s because they became right. close to losing that and Game Boy was just going to become a ubiquitous handheld term that anyone could use. So, you know, U.S. you know trademark law is set up that you do have to protect and show that you care about uh, your trademarks in order to continue to use them exclusively. But, but... Uh, it seems like King, uh, is being kind of, uh, a-holes? I'm not sure, I'm not sure what, (laughs) D-bags? I'm not sure. Uh, so basically they have gone after, uh, you know, it started out with, they went after a, a game on the App Store that just happened to have the term, I believe, candy in it, and the game had nothing to do, it was not a match three, it was a slot game. It was like a slot machine game. Nothing to do with Candy Crush Saga. And, like, in both of these complaints, the one that was against Candy uh, for for this one and then Saga for the Banner Saga, like, King sort of admits, like, we don't really think they're actively trying to take advantage of what we're doing, but we need to protect our trademark. And and Saga is even crazier. Like, the idea that the Banner Saga is, is cashing in on Candy Crush Saga. Like, the Banner Saga is a hardcore, depressing, tactical uh, RPG, and... Candy Crush Saga is a match three game with colorful happiness and free to play sucking your wallet, you know, coming out of it. So, you know, the, uh, I'm trying to find, like in December, this is from a joystick story. It says in December, King claimed the banner saga was confusingly and deceptively similar to King's previously used saga marks, but said yesterday it wouldn't take action against Stoic. King is not and has not and is not trying to stop Banner Saga from using its name. We don't have any concerns that Banner Saga is trying to build on our brand or content. Um, obviously, that changed a little bit uh, when they were served with papers from uh, from from King. You know, I mean, like King's like trying to play this really weird balancing act of like, oh, well, we're just doing this because we have to. Um, we don't want to stop them from making the Banner Saga, but you know, we got to serve these papers. 
And Stoic's response is hilarious because they were like, ah, we're just going to keep making these games. They can't stop us. So I don't know what that means. Like, (laughs) you can say that and you can still have legal trouble. Uh, But I think think Stoic is just trying to maybe grandstand a little bit in the public eye in the hopes that uh, King will just kind of back off. Yeah, I mean, the the trick here is that it all... I mean, this is very patent trolley behavior. You know, it's the kind of thing where it's like we have these thing, these words in our title, so therefore all those words belong to us. It was like that guy who tried to trademark Edge for all those years, uh, and you know was finally defeated. What it was like a year, year and a half ago or something. Um, I I don't remember. There were at some point when I was working at Harmonix, something like this happened, and I remember our our uh, COO trying to kind of explain to me what it means to file these sorts of papers and, you know, whether that means you're actually going to pursue or sue or not, uh, you know, is kind of tangential to just sort of like making sure you're making your claims on your existing trademark so that they don't become, uh, you know, uh, so that they don't fall into a situation where, you know, it looks like you're not trying to enforce them at all. Uh, at the same time, there is there is a pub, a public nature to this whole conversation that you don't necessarily see with a lot of this stuff. Uh, The fact that, you know, a company like Stoic is getting these sort of like fairly sternly worded legal papers from King does not necessarily imply that King would, in fact, be totally cool with them, you know, just putting out more games under the Banner Saga name. Like, you don't usually send that kind of paperwork directly saying, you know, this is infringing on us without necessarily, while just saying, oh, no, but it's fine. They can just keep making those games. So there's 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 a disconnect between what they're saying and what they're doing that I don't think anyone is completely sussed out yet. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think any reasonable court in the world would look at those two games and go, well, that's clearly, you know, a trademark violation. We should totally deny what Stoic is doing because, like you said, they literally could not be more different things in the, in the realm of entertainment software. Well, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think the problem that I think a lot of people have with this is not necessarily this idea that, you know, if, if the way that our screwed up trademark law is set up, is is that it forces companies to send out cease and desist papers in order to enforce their trademark against companies that really don't have anything to do with infringing on their trademark, but they have to do this in order to show that they are being active in, in protecting their trademark from being generalized and becoming just sort of uh, public sure. domain. But, you know, you know you, what you mentioned was like, well, if this went to court, uh, no reasonable person would look at the Manor Saga and Candy Crush Saga and say these are the same games or someone would confuse them. But that's like a really key distinction. Like what happens with these patent trolls, uh, and you see this happen uh, in technology a lot. This is something that happens every once in a while in games, but is much more common in uh, technology patents. And I highly recommend going and looking up the This American Life uh, two, they've done they've done two episodes on it where they mm-hmm. they break down patent trolling and how it is used to uh, crush uh, tiny companies and exploit a lot of money out of them. Like that's right. that's where the real problem is here. Is like it's it's a slippery slope to where King is then like if you're a tiny company like say two guys and you're just getting off the ground, you've released your game that happens to use Saga or happens to use Candy. Like if you might be able to go to court and say, guys, this isn't similar, but you might not be able to afford to go to court. King sure. can obviously go to court. This is why they can dish out a bunch of these papers. If any company decides to to fight or dispute it, it's no big deal for them to go to court and, and work it out. But it might be a huge deal or the entire deal for some upstart developers that are that somehow end up uh, you know, infringing or potentially infringing or being uh, accused of infringing. And they might have to change their name as a result of just the threat, which seems absolutely 100% unfair. And that's where King walks his fine line of defending their trademark with while also losing touch with, uh, you know, a community of, of creators that, uh, you know, is doing nothing to, to act, actively harm their company. And I think the, the real key thing in all of this and the, the, the point that, that sort of sums the whole thing up is the fact that this company is trying to trademark the words Candy and Saga. Like, just those words all together for video game software. And, and the, the idea of enforcing the, like enforcing this notion that, you know, anything with the word Candy could, you know, somehow be construed as a, you know, a trademark violation or Saga could be construed as a trademark violation is inherently absurd. 
the very idea behind it is inherently absurd. And the if this is what it is boiled down to, where they can just kind of go after any game that uses the word saga, that by itself is completely insane and should not be allowed to take place. Obviously, this kind of thing has taken place in many different formats over the years. But this is one of those situations where they are literally just trying to trademark every individual word in this dumbass match three game that they make, which is fine. It's a it's a, a dumb, you know, fun little time waster, but and it's obviously very popular. But that inherent idea is insane. Yeah, like, you know, I think it's anyone would be sympathetic to someone that was producing a match three game that was called like Candy Crunch Saga or something sure. like that. You know, that's obviously egregious. That's obviously uh, trying to trick people into, you know, downloading something that is awfully similar, and then maybe they get confused. And that that's what this is supposed to be here for. This is right. supposed to protect the public uh, from confusion over something they want while uh, protecting the profits for a company that came up with the original idea. And it's when we start going down this road into absurdity that it's really hard to defend. You know, we saw this play out with uh, Notch, uh, Zenimax, and the term Scrolls, where right. you know Zenimax served uh, Notch and his company uh, with papers about their card game, uh, their digital card game, I guess, uh, Scrolls, and saying like, oh, well, you know, the public could be confused with the Elder Scrolls. Like, no, no, no. And, I, you know, I don't know enough about how this stuff works in a legal sense. We're like, is there a way you can write this stuff that is... We are serving you with legal papers, but don't worry about it. Wink. Like I, I don't know how that works. Is there a way to sort of be out there and be on the defensive while also so, sort of being like, eh. like I don't know if that's possible in a legal sense. But that seems like, you know, I, when this stuff flares up, like why does it happen with these companies? Like this doesn't happen with every company. So is it just that these are are jerks that are are choosing to? take it too far or or is it really the system is broken um you know and these are questions that i just you know unfortunately don't have enough answers to but right. obviously uh you know I, i've been looking into trying to trying to figure this stuff out this week and just have not had enough time it is an incredibly labyrinthine and sort of awful process i know that i know everyone i've, I've ever talked to who's had to deal with trademark law and any sort of uh you know legal violations that have have, have stemmed from that uh, have more or less wanted to hang themselves within hours of having to deal with that situation. It is it is complex and obnoxious and problematic for a variety of reasons. Uh, but I, you know, what those actual reasons are, I could not tell you because just staring at that stuff makes me go, you know, boss-eyed within a second. So I, God, Godspeed to you trying to figure that shit out because every time I try to read up on it, I just I, my 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 brain rolls rolls back in my skull. Yeah, so you know it'll, it'll be interesting to see how how this stuff plays out. I've really enjoyed. Uh, have you seen the Candy Jam? I have seen the the Candy Jam, and I am I am very much in favor of the Candy Jam. I think that's a fun little subversive thing there. Yeah, so for folks that aren't aware, basically, uh, I I interviewed the person who put it together, and maybe I should just put that up on the site if I can't get a large feature together. Um, in a short amount of time, but basically a bunch of developers are doing a game jam in which the themes are candy, the names involve candy. It's basically a giant F you uh, to this whole thing, uh, you know, kind of an F you to, uh, to trademark uh, law and the way it operates and the way companies kind of have to, to deal with it and uh, an F you to King for the aggressive way uh, they are, are handling it or the seemingly aggressive way. You know, it's, it's tough. You know, I, you, know, you don't, it's so easy to quickly point the finger at King, uh, but mm -hmm. as someone that is just not aware of how this stuff has to be handled when you have a really popular intellectual property, you know, it's, I want, I, you know, I, I want to go just short of, you know, calling them completely trolly because, you know, may, maybe there is a logic to, to what's happening uh, that, you know, is, someone mentioned the chat a little bit earlier, I, I forget who actually said it, but that there's no way to write he was insinuating there's no way to, way to write legal language that doesn't sound like the house is falling apart. Uh, you know, sure. there's, there's no way, you know, my insinuation that maybe you could do legal stuff with a wink and a nod isn't possible because then it wouldn't hold up in court. Uh, sure. So any legal papers are going to sound apocalyptic. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, is what King's doing. Maybe the wording has to sound apocalyptic, but do they have to be so aggressive uh, about 
how they're going about it and the games they're choosing uh, to go about it with, you know, I think is maybe the more pertinent question. Yeah. And well, you know, as, as the story plays out, I'm sure we'll find out more about it. Yeah. Uh, other news. Capcom is currently pledging to hire 100 new developers every year for the next five years, which sounds incredibly optimistic, personally speaking. Uh, this apparently came from a uh, investor call where the uh, the where Kenzo Sujimoto basically said this is part of their five year plan. They want to try and bring in a huge amount of new talent over the next five years. Uh, they you know Capcom has not necessarily been doing super great as of late. Uh, they obviously have the Monster Hunter franchise, which is still doing well for them in various places. But uh, you know the company has struggled in various places over the years. And in this case, it seems like they're trying to address that by bringing in more more development talent. Uh, this sounds like a really nice story. I don't necessarily know if I trust on them to completely follow through with that over the course of the next five years. But then again, I also realized 100 people a year is not necessarily that many people. Yeah. I hope this all just means I'm going to get Dragon's Dogma 2. So Capcom, you can do whatever you want. Just give me, give me Dragon's Dogma 2. I, I, I mean, maybe I, when they're done with Deep Down, I don't know. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't look like what I want. But yeah, um, did you uh, did didn't the Dead Rising three DLC start this week? It did. Came out this week. Uh, that game apparently has shipped about a million copies. So, That's cool. You know, it's, it's I don't think I don't think bad. we I don't think we talked about it on the show, but I really liked that game. Against, I didn't think I was gonna like that game, but I yeah. ended up tremendously liking it. <laughs> I've been, I, I've enjoyed it. I I haven't finished it, and I kind of fell off with it uh, around the time I went to China, and have not really picked it up since mm-hmm. I got back. But uh, yeah, that that is a far better Dead Rising game than I thought it would be. Uh, and you know, I mean, I've said before on the show that I I really like a lot of the changes they've made to it. I probably won't touch that DLC until when if I actually finish the main game. But you know, I, I will probably check it out at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Let's see. No more single player DLC plan for The Last of Us. Yeah, that's a bummer. But it's ah. not. But it's a bummer. But it's not surprising. No. I mean, no. they they have said before that they wanted to focus on multiplayer primarily for the DLC. Uh, you know, this was they they are sticking to their original DLC plan, which only had this one piece, the the Left Behind DLC as as single player. And you know, I, I'm I'm excited for that DLC. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that prequel uh, story stuff. But I also think. I don't know how much more of that specific story I need fleshed out through DLC. I mean, if they're going to do more with it, I would almost rather they kind of went, you know, and just went ahead and made another game. Though, there's also a part of me that would be totally fine if they just never made another Leopard or, you know, Last of Us game and just kind of let it be what it is, you know, for eternity. Of course, that will never happen because it's an, it's now an extremely revered franchise just by virtue of the fact that everyone liked the first game, so they will make more, but... Yeah, I, I suspect there will be another Last of Us. I think the question uh, is whether they stick to their guns on uh, leaving the characters uh, behind sure. from from the first game, which is something they've said that The Last of Us is a standalone story, that they have not ruled out returning to the universe, which I suspect they will, uh, but that you know Joel and Ellie had their story and they would pick stuff up elsewhere, which I think would be super cool if, if that happened. I think that would be the way... The way to handle a sequel uh, is to is to just move on and, and tell a completely different story uh, from a, a totally different angle, which I'd be I'd be up for. Totally. Um, uh, folks, want to start uh, dropping some questions in the chat uh, for us? Uh, feel free to uh, as we start winding down the show. Uh, one of the things we didn't get to on Monday um, because we had Zoe Quinn on, which I would just also like to say that I thought. It was really cool how the comments played out for that. Once that show went up, yep. people uh, were super nice and were also really great. Uh, when I put up my story on the game designer Porpentine uh, the next day, uh, the uh, jerk level was to a absolute minimum, and I applaud you guys for for doing that. I feel like lately there's been a pretty good trend in the community and the comments toward decidedly less jerkiness, and yeah. that, is, that is something I I want to applaud and support as much as humanly possible. Absolutely. Uh, but one of the things that we didn't get to on Monday was, uh, you know, we, we talked about Nintendo's uh, sort of situation, but one of the comments that came out afterwards uh, from uh, Satoru Iwata was that uh, they're sort of rethinking their business strategy and how that involves smartphones. Uh, you know, he yeah. specifically said, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing the quote, but 
it's it's not as easy as just putting Mario on a phone, which right. I I think you know that that makes sense. You know, Nintendo is a slow moving giant, uh, but I'm curious to find out uh, what they mean by that. I know one of the examples that he pointed to uh, was that uh, I think the game is called Puzzle and Dragons. Puzzle and Dragons. I think that's mm. right. Anyway, it's a super popular free-to-play game. Uh, more so in Japan than in the U.S., but I think it's also popular over here. And it's a free-to-play game that you you know download on your phone and tablet and whatever. And then that game was released on the 3DS and sold uh, like millions of copies. You know, a full-price 3DS game that was a higher-quality version of something that was already a free-to-play game uh, did very, very well for uh, the platform on the 3DS. And he said that's what he pointed to that as something what they're thinking about for uh, what Nintendo could possibly do. So you know, I think if you if you kind of take that logic, you know, a step further, it's like, are there ways that essentially Nintendo could produce games or experiences for phones and tablets that funnel people into experiences on their own hardware platforms? Like basically right. using, you know, is there a way to create you know, maybe a limited Pokemon experience that gives you a taste, but, you know, once you're bit by the bug, it's like, oh, man, I, I really, I got to see what this is all about. Oh, no, now I need to buy a 3DS to do that. Uh, that seems like uh, a potentially interesting strategy if that's something that they're able uh, to pull off. Uh, and seems like that makes sense as Nintendo's first step into these waters is not actually producing a full-fledged Mario Zelda or Pokemon game uh, for an iPhone or an iPad, but what if there was something that acted as a teaser uh, to you know a Pokemon-like experience uh, that then got you interested in you know something more fleshed out on on the 3DS itself? Yeah, I mean, I think that that makes a lot more sense than them just diving headlong into making mobile games. Uh, Chris Kohler wrote a pretty smart thing over on Wired this week about. Yeah, absolutely. Know. He go read his piece on Chris Kohler continues to be uh, sort of a really good non hyperbolic talking people off from the ledge uh, sort of critic of of what Nintendo's stuff is doing uh, right now. Yeah, his his you know perception that there are obviously things Nintendo needs to do to change its strategy, but just diving headlong into the mobile market by just throwing a bunch of their games on iOS devices would not only be, not be the answer, but it could actually be directly harmful to that business. Uh, you know, it, it's you know I said before last week, you know, it it, it was one of those things where I, I foresee a lot of really drastic, you know, sometimes perhaps some in some ways dangerous changes for that company. I don't necessarily want to ever see Nintendo get out of hardware. I don't want to see Nintendo fail. We've repeated this over and over again. It's just my kind of inherent cynicism and my inherent uh, pessimism for, you know, the way this business tends to go that just I, I have a hard time seeing a lot of good outs for them in the current situation they're in. Uh, you know, it, this situ- this possibility of them doing these kinds of things on iOS devices to try and drive people to their existing business makes a fair amount of sense. But then, you know, that, that only kind of fixes part of the equation because they still have the Wii U to contend with, which is... Not going, I mean, I I don't care how many, you know, demos and other little, you know, uh, free-to-play type experiences you put on other devices. That's not going to sell that console at this point. Like, that thing needs a complete overhaul, either perception-wise or maybe it's time to just straight up try a different hardware system. Which, I don't know, that could be, which by itself could be an incredibly expensive and, you know, failure-ridden endeavor, but... This doesn't seem like it's going to fix the the console side of the business. At best, it seems like it could help them out with their 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 handheld you know situation, which is fine but not great. Uh, it does it no 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 delving into the the mobile market will fix the Wii U at this point, and that's kind of their biggest issue to address right now. You know, I, I, Iwata's not going away. Um, I yeah. think I think Iwata will be around through at least one additional hardware cycle. Um, so sure. I think. I think you can't look at what moves Nintendo makes uh, in the next 12 months uh, in terms of what they potentially do with uh, mobile devices uh, in terms of turning the company around immediately. I think what you'll end up seeing, you know, if I'm doing my armchair analysis as we've been doing for the last couple of minutes, is is that they're going to lay the groundwork, you know, for what could be a 
complementary relationship for their next set of hardware, um, or if that is one piece of hardware that functions as a, you know, as long speculated handheld slash home device in in one thing. Um, right. If you know, if if the 3DS is kind of coasting and it's gonna, you know, it's probably gonna do, you know, pretty okay, and and the Wii U is just sort of something that they work on making those people that have bought it happy while they bide their time till the next piece of hardware. I think that's okay too. Uh, but sure. my guess is they will make moves to show they can be successful and drive sales back to their hardware platforms in the smartphone market. But that the idea that it's going to flip the Wii U business, I don't, I don't think that's going to be Iwata's ambition. No. The idea that it's going to flip uh, the 3DS business to be DS-like uh, in its in the way it skyrockets, I don't think that's going to happen either, nor do I think that's his plan. I think the goal would be to show that Nintendo can drive uh, money back to their existing platforms by leveraging these other platforms, which would ultimately culminate in a new piece of hardware that embraced this on sort of a foundational level. Um, and that that's maybe something we would not see this year, but uh, wouldn't be surprised if we saw it next year. Sure. Yeah, that makes that makes solid sense, and you know, regardless, I'm pulling for them because I I don't I don't really want to live in in a video game world without Nintendo doing their thing. Like like we said last last week, you know, it's a much more interesting industry with them around and you know, at least relatively thriving. So yeah, abs- absolutely. And you know what? The thing to rem- remember at Nintendo is that as poorly as they may be doing sometimes, they have zero debt. So they are in a much better financial situation than both the Xbox division, which someone is trying to sell off or has been right. talked about getting sold off. Sony, who is in horrible financial shape as a Not company. Not because of the PlayStation, but because of kind of everything else at that company. And Nintendo has uh, more than, I think, $8 billion in uh, a war chest and zero debt. So it is always worth remembering the context of what Nintendo is, which is sure. a company having trouble uh, in the market, but the idea that they are going under uh, or anything uh, hyperbolic in that way is completely ridiculous. Sure. Um, let's see. Uh, some people asking. Uh, it looks like we'll be able to put it up on the site today. I saw that we got a link this morning about it so we can download a, a copy of it. But uh, that trailer for... The monolith Lord of the Rings game, uh, Shadow. Oh, yes, I downloaded that this morning. I will be uploading that as soon as we are done here. Yeah, Shadow of Mordor. So they put out like an eight-minute gameplay demo, and some folks are asking uh, what we think of it. Did you get a chance to watch that yesterday? When I it... did. What'd I watched think? it in its entirety, and that thing looks pretty dope. Um, it is. I mean, in essence, I guess it, it break down the, the the familiar mechanics of it. It looks very much like Assassin's Creed in the Lord of the Rings universe which sounds fucking fantastic, really. Uh, and, you know, watching it in action, the whole, I, like, the thing they kept stressing over and over again is that every enemy you encounter, every encounter you have with them is kind of its own unique thing, and that there is an AI, you know, sort of memory system in there where those characters will remember you and remember the encounters they've had with you and will, you know, hold varying degrees of grudges depending on how those interactions went. Uh, it looks pretty fantastic the the combat stuff seems pretty smart like you know it seems like it flows about as well as like the any of the the better ac or like batman games um obviously you know we weren't at the preview event where this stuff uh, was initially shown so i we didn't get any hands-on time with it or anything but that demo is pretty impressive uh as far as you know kind of laying the laying out exactly what the premise and mechanics for a game are and making them look about as impressive as possible on a first first showing I will say I, as soon as the combat started, I kind of started tuning out. Like I've played a lot, like the Batman style combat, I think works really well. Uh, but uh, that's like totally what that is. Like you know, character gets a little squiggle above his head, block. Um, so I that I didn't find that particularly interesting. But the AI system, the Nemesis system, I believe is what yeah. they're calling it, with the, where the the general idea with the Nemesis system is that. You'll encounter, it's supposed to create unique situations for enemies in each playthrough throughout the game. Uh, and right. you can influence how those interact with future events. Like in the gameplay demo, they show that one encounter with sort of like a sub boss, 
Um, you can put him using like your wraith powers. He's now in your control and you can influence him. And you can pull up this submenu that shows which part of like the squad, like the orc squad that he's in, and that you can then, you know, task him with an assassination mission that he may only have 30% chance of pulling off by himself, but that he will create distractions or uh, in the gameplay demo, he uh, stabs and wounds like one third of the health of a boss character, thus making it easier for you to come in and, uh, and sort of take care of business. And right. it seems like, you know, it's you'll be able to set up a bunch of scenarios like that that hopefully make sort of otherwise generic encounters in an open world a little more personal because uh, you'll have sort of set them up, uh, set the chess pieces up in a certain way. And also, apparently, the way you deal with certain enemies is remembered. Like, they showed a boss character that, in a previous encounter, I guess you must have thrown him into a fire. Maybe that was optional. And that he has burned his face, and he remembers that, and has unique dialogue uh, that is associated with that. Uh, It sounds really interesting. uh, That It's a deeply ambitious uh, AI system that... You know, I, I, I'm hoping, I'm trying not to be cynical about because it, it looks really cool. Uh, but you know, seeing that play out across an entire game like seems that that's really ambitious. That's very next gen, I guess, if to use a really lame term. But uh, yeah, the combat and like walking around, you know, looked a little too much Batman and Assassin's Creed for me. Um, but maybe that's just because I just played an Assassin's Creed game and don't really want to play another one of those right this second. But uh, the whole AI system sounds pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, pretty I guess the neat. one worry—the one worry there—is that you know, how many of those unique dialogue trees and situations are there? Like, is yeah. there a limited pool that it's pulling from? So then you start seeing like repeats depending on uh, you know the situation and the character. Uh, and obviously, we don't know the answer to that, and we won't know the answer to that until we've seen more of that game in the wild. But. Uh, as a first impression, that video is very good at, at delivering something that looks wholly appealing. So, you know, I'm, I am, I was not really that interested in that game at the at the outset, and now watching that, I have a lot. I'm paying a lot more attention to it, even as someone who has so thoroughly done with the whole Lord of the Rings thing that I am not even going to bother seeing the last two Hobbit movies. Uh, you know, I that looks like something unexpected and different from that universe which is a nice thing to to consider when you when you realize just kind of how played out a lot of that lord of the ring stuff is now yeah totally 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 uh totally bane one two two can you give us a heads up on upcoming guests well i can tell you that we're going to have jen frank on monday Woo! so uh she's an excellent uh game critic game writer game essayist uh, she uh, used to work at One Up. Uh, was community manager there. Uh, has since uh, done the freelance life and uh, has a lot of exceptional pieces. A bunch of them have shown up on the uh, the website Unwinnable. Um, yep. uh, she's also written. She did an exceptional piece uh, on Second Life, I believe, for uh, Kill Screen uh, ages ago. That I have to imagine is online and. Uh, some form, but a, a truly excellent writer, a very funny person. Um, so she is the one that is supposed to be with us on uh, Monday, and I'm still nailing down guests for the weeks after that. Um, but uh, I will let but you guys Jen, know. It's exciting. The queen of Twitter favorites. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. If you get in a conversation with her, just get ready for Twitter favorites on every single exchange. Whether or not it's a worthwhile exchange or not, it is just the things. Faves, they just they make flow. Them rain. They make flow. Them rain. Um, that seems about it. Uh, some people asking about like the Steam in-home streaming, uh, which uh, I am not in, even though I'm right. on, I have the press account, which usually gets opsis into betas pretty early. It sounds like they're uh, only rolling that out to a select few uh, right now. I, w- I would really like to try it. Uh, I have my PC hooked up over HDMI, so it's not super important to me uh but you know the prospect of if i have my pc on a hardwired ethernet connection is it like some folks have had uh pretty decent success doing remote play from places that aren't in the same place where their ps4 is right uh you know could i go to my parents lake house this weekend uh stream games 
hardwired over Ethernet from my PC and play them on my MacBook Air, like, that sounds pretty good. That yeah. sounds pretty good. Like, that's that- that's sort of my dream scenario is stuff like that, is being able to run those games uh, from... I don't really need it for my house. I would love it if it somehow works reasonably well for a game like Broken Age or, you know, I'm not looking to play Street Fighter. Like, But if right, I could play right. the Banner Saga remotely like the latency and compression can be whatever like it doesn't have to be perfect like i can it's a turn-based game um yeah but if i if i could do that remotely goddamn that would be cool so i'm really hopeful uh because i think it would be uh, very useful for me uh in a lot of scenarios or at least enough scenarios that that i would want to investigate it but uh hard to say uh somber owl says have either of you guys seen thief lately Dude, we are in New York and in the Midwest. We don't we don't see games that often. We don't see games. That often. You see them a little more often than I do, but we're sort of out we're, we're out in the woods. All the all the events to see games happen uh, in San Francisco. Sometimes well, in New York, but primarily in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll we'll end here with uh, I like Popcans asking uh, if if you guys are gonna do a box office bomb anytime soon. Yeah, so we uh, we recorded part of one last week, and then uh-huh. the fucking computer crashed again, uh, which has happened to us like three times now, which is hilarious. Uh, but then we saved that file, and then we finished recording it yesterday. Uh, Rory will at some point put those pieces together into one thing that what goes in each other, uh, and that will become a podcast. I'm guessing probably early next week. Um but the Power Bomb cast will go up later today as soon as I've had a chance to sit down and do a little editing work on it uh, and then look for Encyclopedia Bombastica. WWF Royal Rumble, uh, I'm guessing tom- uh, tomorrow at the latest Sunday morning. So, uh, And then what are you, you going to play this weekend? Uh, this weekend, uh, I'm going to a four-movie Nicolas Cage marathon at the Alamo Draft House up in Yonkers tomorrow. So that's going to take What some, movies? Some t- I don't know. They didn't say. That's so. It's just a surprise. Yes. Oh, that's great. That is yeah. fan. Do Do you watch Community? I do watch Community, and I saw that episode. Okay. All right. Yeah. That uh, one of the best arcs that Community has ever had. That yep. amazing. Kind amazing. of a perfect Abed arc, you know, as as those go. So I yeah that that was that was pretty fantastic. So I'm doing that on Saturday. That will take up most of my day. Uh, Sunday is the actual Royal Rumble, which I'm having a couple people over to watch. Um, so somewhere in there, I'll probably play some more Ali Ali and maybe try and finish Broken Age. Uh, if I don't, I'll probably finish that next week. And then uh, I've maybe got some more Octodad to play in here as well. So that's that's kind of what I'm looking at right now. What do you got coming up? Is Octodad out next week? It's week? out on the 30th. So that is next week. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to be out of town uh, this weekend, so I will probably... I think I'm gonna download a uh, Republic, a Republic, Republic. Republic. Let's just say le- le- eek. It looks I think it's like it I eek. think it's called Republic, but I refuse to call it that because, yeah. dude, you put the accent in there. Don't put the accent in there unless you want it to be called. <laughs> what? How you pronounce it with an accent? Yeah, uh, so I've been meaning to play that. So I'll probably load that up on my iPad and give that a go. I was uh, surprised and interested to see that. Um, Gone Home's uh, Steve Gaynor named that one of his favorite games of last year. Uh, came out at kind of the tail end of the of the year, but I've been meaning to to give it a shot. So probably download that and see if I can't track down a really uh, default code uh, to to play that this weekend. But uh, hopefully on Sunday night because there's no football on Sunday. So when I no. drive home on Sunday, like I'll have my Sunday back. I, that's the one like as sad as I am that football is over, and I really am sad because I mean the Super Bowl's happening, but whatever. Like, yay, Peyton Manning's going to win his second ring yay. and everyone can shut up about Seahawks. it. Seahawks. Uh, it's that I get my Sundays back, which, like, I just haven't had them since September. Like, I don't have a Sunday. I just – Yeah. You spend all day watching your games, uh, and then if there are Sunday games, like, it's just – the day just goes – so I'm looking forward to these six, seven months where I have my Sundays back and I can actually play games and – it's it's what gets me so far behind on television shows. Like I watch a fair number of shows with, with Katie, but Sundays are usually when I catch up on all that stuff. So they're kind of a wash. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we will leave it there. Um, we'll be back on Monday morning uh, with Jen Frank, um, and then um, I'm gonna just gonna keep saying we're gonna play Risk of Rain because <laughs> yeah, we're going like to. 
We're going no, to play Risk of Rain. We're going to play it one of these days. And if I keep saying it, then hopefully it'll happen. But uh, until then, good runs lately. So oh, you've been playing it? Damn, I've been playing every now and again. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Alex, I will leave it there, and uh, I will see you uh, with uh, the Fave Meister herself uh, on Monday morning. Oh.